Whenever I need a pick-me-up, Athletics YouTube is a proper nirvana, and they don't come much more feel-good than the British men's 4x1 quartet scorching their way to gold before a sold-out Olympic Stadium in 2017. I've watched it a fair few times now in lockdown, and the sensational performance, the ecstatic celebrations, and the electric atmosphere never fail to leave me beaming. I'd recommend you give it a gander. Right now, we should all be embracing reasons to smile. This interview special is with the individual who ran a phenomenally accomplished second leg that night, and who's been bringing smiles to athletics fans ever since he burst onto the scene in 2012 as an immensely affable and mature 18-year-old who switched from football to the track just that season and has never looked back. Fast forward nine years and Adam Jamili has won world titles, smashed continental records and clinched multiple Commonwealth and European medals. He became the 100th man to break the 10 second barrier in 2015, simultaneously becoming the first Brit to go sub 10 and sub 20. It's not all been sunshine and rainbows, however. Jamili has endured his fair share of disappointment, from recurrent injury troubles to agonising fourth-place finishes at both the Rio Olympics and last year's World Championships. His tearful mixed-zone interview after the latter broke hearts nationwide, and he is open about his burning desire to start to clinch individual medals on the global stage. I must apologise for the ending of this interview, which accelerates with all the relentlessness of a fast-finishing Christine Ohorogu. We lost track of time, and Adam had to shoot off to training before we could discuss his coaching setup in Florida, his ambitions for the next few seasons, and his work to benefit his fellow Team GB Olympians in pushing the BOA to review their application of Rule 40. Fortunately, what we did manage to cover was fascinating, and I certainly wouldn't mind getting him back on the podcast for a second instalment. It was a delight speaking to Adam. Here's the conversation. Hi, I'm Dina Asher-Smith and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. Adam, thank you so much for giving up your morning out in Florida to come on the latest Backstraight Boys and Girl interview special. No problem. I can honestly say, and not just because this is going to be the longest and most interesting conversation that I have with a human being today, <laughs> it is a pleasure to have you on. You've been someone I've had my eye on for one of these for years. Well, thank um, you very much for, for inviting me on. I'm, it's, I'm happy to be here. So yeah, all good. It's a delight. First of all, how is life out in Florida? How are you coping with the current situation? Yeah, it's all a bit crazy at the moment. Like uh, there's nowhere really to train properly. We're, we're making do in Florida. Like Things are still shut and we still want to keep a big social distance between people, but we're training, we're managed, managing to train in um, like just wherever we can really on park, on parks or beaches. And we've been thrown off about three different fields at the moment. <laughs> we train and then, then they shut the field, then we find somewhere else they shut the field. So we're just trying to make do as best as we can really. But yeah, we're getting it in and we're staying fit and we'll be ready for or when the season does kick off again, if it does kick off. So if it does, we'll be ready. God, guerrilla athletics out on the mean streets of Jacksonville. It sounds pretty. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's 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 quite it's quite interesting, but it's yeah. I've never thought. I'd never thought. I'd just walk past the track or drive past the track and think I'd just miss it so much. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm not surprised, and it can't be easy finding somewhere that's flat enough or a good enough surface that you can actually really open up. So does it feel like it's been a really long time since you properly sprinted? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like it's since I've done like a 
250 or 300 or anything like that it's been a while so it's um yeah it feels it feels very very strange but it, i know i'm not the only athlete in the world dealing with it athletes across the whole world are are in the same predicament as i am so it's just make do as best you can stay safe and uh yeah wait for this all to blow over really and then and then we crack on again when the summer kicks off again Absolutely. And a chance, I imagine, as well, to hammer out a few weaknesses. I imagine you're prehabbing super hard right now. Absolutely. Working on those little bits that you don't have time to address in a regular season. Exactly, yeah. And this season was coming around so quickly. Like, it's 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 April already. And, like, if there was no if there was no sort of corona or anything, like, everyone would be fully, like, sort of getting ready to start racing. So now that we don't have that, it's, again, you get another chance to just rest your body and, and look at look after certain sort of aspects that, would usually be hammering at the moment take your time really work on little little technical details that you need to sort of fix and I guess more time is it's not always great like it's a bit frustrating I feel like I was in the best sort of shape I've ever been in running pbs on the track running lifting pbs in the gym like I'm healthy I had a full winter with no hiccups and it was just like I finally felt like I was ready to to really take it to the next step and I just got to sort of maintain that for another year now but yeah it's it's given the people who have sort of had a few injuries a chance to really recover in another year to get back so it's not it's not not all terrible I guess every cloud 100% it's so good to hear that you've had a good winter that's really exciting <laughs> we'll turn to look ahead to Tokyo and all that is to come a little bit later on mm-hmm. but I thought we'd start today right at the very beginning okay um, you can say that you're a two-time Olympian something that millions of people all over the world would give anything to to be able to say about themselves but I imagine if everything I've read about you is true that when you were a little boy you were telling anyone who asked that you wanted to be a footballer is that the case yeah 100% I I didn't really watch the Olympics growing up I I remember my first real memories of the Olympics and I know it's quite bad it was sort of 2008 in Beijing wow I think I remember watching I remember watching the 100 meters and I had no idea who Usain Bolt was. I had obviously heard of Asafa Powell and I know he was in that race. And I was like, oh, no, Asafa Powell will win. And my dad was like, no, you need to watch this Jamaican, this this other guy. He's unbelievable. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then we watched it and I was just like, wow. So that was my first real sort of memories of, of sprinting. And that wasn't that long ago. It was 2008. And then I would have never thought the next the next Olympic Games in London my, me and my uh, mum my and dad and everyone we were like yeah we're gonna get tickets and go and watch it and never did I guess I'd be there competing in the, in the 100 meters as a sort of baby-faced 18 year old like first Olympic Games it was absolutely crazy it was absolutely nuts but um yeah I've been very fortunate to, to over my career so far to have competed in two Olympic Games hopefully got another couple with me and then and then yeah then that'll be it that'll be the, the time I've done and I'll go and move on with my life and get a new job and and crack on. It almost feels then like an accident that you ended up as a sprinter and making the switch to go full-time in 2012. At what point as a footballer, though, did you realise that you were super quick, that you were beating boys in training and that actually athletics could be worth your while? So I was always I was always running. I was always running in school and I was always winning. And I dabbled in athletics as before. I'd done the European juniors in 2011, they picked me for that after I'd done, I'd done some sprinting. Um, but I hadn't, I'd never trained for athletics. I'd, I'd never, I literally, I was playing football and I asked, I was at Dagenham and Redbridge at the time. And I just said to them, can I have a week off to, um, I've been invited to go to the European juniors in 2011. Can, Can I go and take a week off? And they were like, yeah, cool. Just come back healthy. 
came back healthy, I was playing football the next weekend. Like it was, it was literally like I was just literally dabbling in it. And and people had always said, "No, give athletics a go. You're 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 um you're you're good, and you've got a lot of potential." And I went to European Juniors. I got two silver medals, and and then it, the time came. I was still then starting to dabble in athletics a little bit more. I'd started training with Michael Afalaka in Lee Valley um, mm. once um, once a, or a couple of times a, a week or in the evenings, um, sort of November, December time of 2011. And then 2012 sort of came in January and I got offered a pro contract in football, but it wasn't like, it wasn't an amazing pro contract. It was it was still with a good club and I'd, I'd been working my whole career to, to get that pro contract, but it wasn't completely enough to walk away from athletics and and university which they said if i was to uh sign the pro then there'll be no t- I, they don't want me running anymore they don't want me like I, I wouldn't be able to study or anything which for me was always quite important and for my family so my mum and dad and myself we sat down and they were like right why don't you just try athletics you're already doing a little bit with michael why don't you just give it full time for the year see how it goes um see how fast you can run and if it doesn't go well then just go back to football afterwards so I um literally in January of that year decided right I uh I'll start training full time at Lee Valley with Michael um and the rest of the group and we had a great we had a great training group like I've learned so much from that, those guys like Jeanette Jeanette Quatchy was there she was sort of the back end of her career and she was so key to teaching me as a young athlete so much about the sport and respect on and off the track and how much how to be a role model and she's obviously going and going on and doing amazing things now but yeah I was one of the I was one of the uh lucky people that got to train with her and she was one at the time the only British sprinter to ever make an Olympic like 100 meter yeah. final so she was just like I was just in awe of that I was like the Olympic Games like you made the you made the 100 meter final that's crazy so yeah she I, I learned a lot from her and Ashley Nelson was in that group as well and and we we just grinded it out together and then like I said, I, I just got faster and faster and picked it up. I ended up running 10-0 that year, going to the World Juniors, which was the aim, winning the World Juniors and then being fortunate enough to, to cap, cap it off with going to home home games, which I was so fortunate to because that was, that was sort of, there's no bigger stage in track and field. And for an athlete, you don't get that many opportunities to really put yourself out there. And, and I got sort of thrown into the deep end. Um, but yeah, and it sort of, the rest of my career was sort of built on that sort of moment. So, uh, no, it was it was a weird sort of crazy time and, yeah, sort of accidentally found myself in the Olympics. Obviously, I trained so hard that year, but to have actually done it and look back and think the amount of effort and stuff I'm putting in now to, to make that the Olympic team and, and be successful there in 2012, yeah, I was just just there, just there turning up, doing my football drills and, and, uh, and running fast and... Yeah, it's a completely different uh, side of the coin now, but um, no, I'm so grateful for that experience. There are so many avenues I could go down now with this conversation <laughs> off the back of the answer. There's so much <laughs> to touch upon. I know, it's fascinating. I can't believe that you described yourself as dabbling in athletics when you came back with a 10.41 from the European Juniors. And you yeah, said, Jimmy. So, yeah, it was Jimmy Vico, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, because Jimmy won it. I train with Jimmy now and we, obviously I live, we basically live on the same complex he, he, I give him a lift to training every day so How and I we always joke and we have the best banner he's such a good person and I'm like Jimmy you remember <laughs> you won you won that race in 1007 yeah I was second in 104 like it's just he's a, he was an absolute unit and uh but obviously you have patience and you, everything sort of as you get older and fitter and stronger things level out and 
And he's mm. obviously he's obviously a fantastic athlete, and you see him train. He's like a horse. But yeah, ten forty one. That was that was my first sort of silver medal, and then the next year I went and ran ten oh five at in Barcelona at the World Junior. So it's it's like things can progress at crazy crazy rates. It's just just having that patience as a young athlete, just to believe in what you're doing and and not being too like I could have seen Jimmy run ten oh seven. And I was trying my absolute hardest and I knew you could only run 10-4 and then just think, do you know what, this is not for me. But I stuck with it and, yeah, getting the results that I sort of deserved, I think. So, no, it was, it was, it was cool. At that stage as well, there's no way that Jimmy wouldn't have been anything other than an out-and-out track athlete, whereas yeah, he was yeah. a footballer who'd probably borrowed a pair of spikes or somebody and headed off to Estonia. So the difference in your preparations couldn't have been starker. They absolutely ripped me to bits on that that World Junior trip, like uh, that that European Junior trip. Like the athletes, the sprinters, like Posse was there. Like the, the age group that I've, I came up in, there's some the, some of the best athletes that we've got in the country. Like it's and the athletes there, like there was Jack Meredith there, um, Sam Watts, Liam Clowes, like all these guys who mm-hmm. back in the day were, were were absolutely rolling. And and I used to do my open the gate, close the gate, hamstring hang, um, hamstring sweeps. Like I used to do these <laughs> this warm up, and they they used to just what are you doing? And it worked. So <laughs> when it worked, when I meddled, they were like, OK, fair play. But <laughs> at the time, they were absolutely ripping me to bits, which is uh, which was really, really funny. And uh, I was used to that coming from football. Like you need to be able, you need to be able to take it, give it and take it. Otherwise, mm. yeah, it's you got no chance. I think there is so much street cred, though, Adam, to be found in being the person who rocks up maybe without the all the gear, no idea vibe about them. It's literally that, yeah. Yeah, just pulling on a pair of spikes and going and winning a continental silver medal. That's a lot of a lot of pride to be found in that for sure. Oh thank you. What did your footballing background then, when you make the switch, what did that leave you with in terms of attributes that have allowed you to be a successful track athlete? Are you more coordinated? Do you have a better work ethic? Do you think that playing in a team for years has made you so good in relays? There must be a lot that you've taken into track and field. Yeah, so much that I learned from football. Football and, and track and field are so different, but there's so many things that you can correlate and, and, and sort of carry over. For me, I spent years growing up at, at Chelsea Football Club and you learn how to be professional on and off the track. You learn to be a good what I've always loved about Chelsea is it doesn't matter how good of a footballer you are, if you're not a good person, they don't want you at the club. And they and you le- and and you learn to be a good person and like you learn to be a role model from such a young age and how to conduct yourself like I said on and off the pitch, how to be in, in a team environment and work w- within in, with the team, like how to how to know when to lead and know when to listen. Um and I think I've brought that especially into the relay as well like I've been pretty much in every every relay since 2012. Um, not always the most successful, but the ones that have been successful, I've usually been there as well. So it's um, at, things like that. Attitude, commitment to every sort of rep that you're running, commitment to training. Mm-hmm. Athletics is an individual sport, but if you don't, if you train by yourself, then it's so hard. Like you have, you train with a group of people. How to work with ev- everyone and how to understand people and and giving you that robustness. Football. You use muscles that you wouldn't use in track and field. You're just running in a straight line. So it gave me that sort of robustness and, and that fitness to coming into the sport, which now I think has benefited benefited more me running the 200 metres as well because I have that natural sort of speed endurance. 
Um, mm. Not so much last year. Sort of the last fifty meters let me down, but uh, but uh, <laughs> in in a, in other years gone by, if I'd run it a bit smarter, then then I've got sort of got that ability to to run under twenty seconds, which you have to have. And and for me, I think that has come from playing football for so many years and at a young age and and learning to sort of train my body. So no, there's a lot that I can take from football, and I'm the lot that I'm grateful for. And has there ever been a moment where you've regretted the decision to switch? Have you ever had a really awful day at the track and just been like, oh, I should have stuck with football? Never, never. I Good. absolutely Glad love track and field. Like, obviously, I would have loved to have been successful in football and maybe if I'd stuck with that, I could have been. But track and field has, has taken me to some of the best places in the world and, and I've, I've got friends that I would never have met and I'm, they will be the best of friends for, for the rest of my life and... Like I said, it's it's opened so many opportunities for myself and 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 been able to provide for myself and my family. So I, I have no regrets in 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 being in track and field. It's tough. It's it's the toughest sport I've ever trained for, but the highs are so high. So it, they make up for it. I think I can probably speak on behalf of the nation when I say that you made the right call. So thank <laughs> you for switching. Thank you for bringing home some goals for us. <laughs> My final footballing question that is a little bit of a tangent, but I'm dying to hear your answer on it. Every now and then, a betting site or Sky Sports News or Joe or one of the sporting outlets puts out a video of Mbappe or Ronaldo or Walker or one of the speedy footballers and they go, this footballer has run faster than Usain Bolt did when he broke the world record. And all of us athletics fans are apoplectic and we all go into meltdown and say that it's yeah. a ridiculous comparison. You know both worlds very, very well. Yeah. Is there any foundation to people claiming that these footballers are as quick as track athletes? No. Or do you also laugh at it? There's, I laugh at it. I find it quite funny. I, I find it quite funny seeing athletes get so irritated by it, like, online. <laughs> like, I get it. They don't like the disrespect and whatever, but, like... Like it's 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 media, it's the it's journalism. It's just trying to make a story and put put your story out there. Like, it is what it is. Like, why are you getting so wound up about it? You know, if you were lining up on a race, they'd have no chance. And and if people believe it, then then so what? Like, who cares? Like, um, I remember there was something with um, Kepta Bellerin quite a few years ago, and uh, I know Richard Richard Kilty put out, oh, I'd race it, I'll race him, and for for this much money and whatever and. And I was thinking, what are you kill me, bro? Like, you would kill this guy. You're world indoor champion. Like, there's no... Ch- <laughs> like, and then I remember I've got friends. I've got mutual friends with Hector Bellerin. And, and they were telling me, he has no idea what, what the hell was going on. They, he, didn't, he didn't write it. He just... It was journalists writing it about him. So he was, like, just so confused about the whole thing. So I was like, these footballers are not really put, saying it themselves. It's, it's other people saying it for, for them. And, and obviously, it's absolutely ridiculous, this thing with... Um, Halland and and he was he'd be close to Christian Coleman in the sixty meters, which is, which is which is laughable really. But it's mm. it's it's promotion for athletics, I guess. Like it'd be it'd be a good event to have, like put the fastest footballers in the world against not necessarily the fastest sprinters and see how they fare. So I would I would love to see it, and and that you could probably build a great story about that. But yeah, I I find it quite funny when people get so wound up about it because I'm like it's not that deep. Like you know it's you know it's not that deep. So. uh yeah, it's uh, it's quite laughable. I think people like a moan, so maybe actually, if you took it away from athletics fans, they'd quite miss all ganging up together and poking. Exactly, the yeah, the community all comes together and just absolutely rips this poor media brand who's who's tried to make a <laughs> statement about about track and field. You get the usual suspects on on Twitter coming out and absolutely 
absolutely coming with all the facts and, and I love it. I love reading it, but it's, again, it's, I would never be that sort of emotionally invested into it to be like, <laughs> upset. Well, the Oracle has spoken. Thank you for yeah. that. That's good to know. Everyone, you can put your pitchforks down. <laughs> Kyle Walker is not faster than Christian Coleman. No. So <laughs> it's 2012. You've gone to Germany in a meet that I completely missed at the time. And you've ran 10.11 in the heats, 10.08 in the final to make yourself the fastest British junior of all time, apart from Dwayne Chambers. Was that the moment when you realised that you had to give your all to sprinting? You've already talked about how Europeans was really successful and that you had a great British champs and you found yourself at the Olympics. But was that kind of unheralded meet out in Germany before GB trials? Was that a real turning point for you? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I remember getting picked so it was myself and, and an athlete called David Bollerinwa if I don't know if you remember him I do remember him yeah yeah so he was the he was the man and he was I love David to bits he's he was he was a brilliant athlete and, and I hope he's still continuing in, in the sport because he never quite reached his full potential I don't think but myself and David got called up to the GB relay team for the first time it was two juniors got called up and we were like wow this is this is great mm. and half the team was going to Rome Diamond League and then half the team myself David Christian Malcolm and Marlon Devonish were going to Regensburg to run in the relay there so we were like oh this is fantastic we're going to be part of the relay team this is this is great and we we hadn't really run that fast I think we'd run sort of 10 twos 10 threes at the time mm. and yeah, we were buzzing and they were like, oh, okay, obviously there's an opportunity to run the individual. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, like definitely that'd be great. Ran, ran 10, 11. I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, <laughs> whoa. My coach was like, I rang my coach. He was like, yeah, great. Go. He was like, he was like, yeah, how'd you feel? And I was, I remember like jumping up in the air and, and nearly sort of hurting myself because I was like, what? I was so excited. I was like, what, what just happened? Like, and then they were like, yeah, run the finals in like an hour and then the relays after that. So let's run this and then ended up running 10.08 and then because it was an Olympic year sort of everyone picked up on it and uh, this this new 18 year old's just run the Olympic standard and he's qualified like he can qualify for the Olympic Games now and and then I sort of realised wow I, I could actually be be in this sport I'm the fastest man in the country like that that never happened to me before that moment I'm, I was the fastest top of para 10 you go on para 10 and you're showing your mates look at look at me i'm top i'm, I'm at the top right there look. that was oh to be a young athlete and to do was such good times but uh yeah i sort of realized do you know what i can i can commit to this and, and stick around because 1008 isn't that's not a that's not a crazy like a crazy slow time and it's not that far away from sub 10 so it's um yeah i started to see myself more as a sprinter once i'd sort of run those times at that meet in Germany and it wasn't even a good race anyway the race was terrible like it was a there's a big full start in the race and they didn't call it and then it was a big tear up and it was just like but yeah I'd run it and then I came back to the UK and then I've just never had I've never seen that much I've never had that much attention in my whole entire life like everyone wanted to talk to me news outlets like I, it was the first time I ever went on TV to give an interview on ITV and I, re I remember it and I was like wow this is like Mm. this is and we literally recorded it I went around my best friend's house and like like there was like 10 of us all crowded around the tv watching me give an interview just absolutely oh, banter that. bantering me up like the first ever time I came on the tv and like I remember looking straight down the camera because I didn't really know what I was doing and <laughs> and I was oh yeah it's just laughable really they they've still got the footage so occasionally they'll send it to me and be like do you remember when you were like this like it's it's yeah it was an interesting time but the first sort of time that I really saw myself as a sprinter and and I belonged 
So I was really happy. And you really did belong because you went on to acquit yourself so well at the Olympics. But I've read since that you've described yourself as having just rocked up to the Games. Do you think 18-year-old Jamili had any idea quite what he was getting himself into? And no. Like the magnitude of that call-up? No. I, you know, it's the 100 metres at the Olympics. It doesn't get much bigger than that. I took it so, like, yeah, from from now, I think I'd be more nervous now as a, as a 26. <laughs> I just, I had no idea the scale of the Olympics. Obviously, I just saw it as another athletics competition. And it's only now being in the sport appreciating how big an Olympic Games is, how rare it is and how sort of hard it is to make that team. But at the time I thought, oh, this is, I just rocked up and I just ran and yeah, it was cool. Like it was, it was brilliant. Like there was crowd there and, and, and didn't realise how special that London crowd was. And oh, yeah. like until you see, no, you go to events and they're not even like 50 people in the stadium. <laughs> but <laughs> no, it was very, very special and... um I did just rock up. I was so ignorant and so like sort of naive um, at that time. But yeah, I had a great coach who who had very good experience and he, he sort of helped keep me grounded and keep my feet on the ground. And and I think that was a good sort of... It worked well for me not knowing the sort of scale of it. Obviously, I was very nervous. I was racing against some of the best people in the world. But for me, I just saw it as another competition. I didn't realise that it was the Olympic Games. It's the pinnacle of all sports. Mm. I remember walking in the village... And I saw Serena Williams and I was like, wow, what is she doing here? And I was going to go and I wanted to go and say hi. And then I chickened out of it. And I was like, yeah, I can't, oh, go, no. yeah, I can't go and say hi to Serena Williams. Like I, was, I was in the food hall and I was like going to go and tap her on the shoulder and be like, hello. But yeah, I, I, I got too scared. So me and Danny Talbot ended up running back to our little uh, to our little apartment. But it was like the, some of the friends that I've got from that trip, Danny, Katerina, Posse, like, Ailish, Holly, like we've become so close because of that time we spent together as young athletes, and and this is these are athletes that will remain sort of my best friends throughout the whole whole time in the sport because we did it together, and yeah, we didn't quite realise the scale of it until afterwards. So it was it was fantastic. It is one hell of a senior British debut, a home Olympics. Yeah. Um, and then you followed it up, actually, with another really impressively mature performance. You made it to your first major final the next year, lining up against Bolt in Moscow. Now, that yeah. race for him was a bit of a parade. Bit of a walk in the park, I think, yeah. Yeah, it was. Was it 19-7 he won in, I think? Yeah, first time, obviously, I'd been with Usain Bolt in the Olympics, but I'd not raced him. And then that was mm. the first time I was racing him in 2013 in Moscow in the 200 and obviously people didn't really know me as a 200 meter runner I had obviously done a lot of training but not really run that fast going into the champs I think I'd run like 20.3 which nowadays people you look at and you'd laugh like 20.3 that's that's ridiculous you're not getting anywhere with that so I remember being in the final like making the final I'd run I'd just run sub 20 for the first time which I didn't even believe happened I was like what is like ah it was just like absolutely nuts and then I saw the lane draws because I won my semi. I saw the lane draws and it was, I was in like, where was, I was um, like six and Usain was in five. So I was like, okay, Usain Bolt's inside me. I'm going to, I've got to go. And I remember getting to like 50, 60 metres and I just remember seeing his high knees just fly past me on the bend. And I was like, I was like, okay, you can go with him. And I, he just got further and further away. And I've never looked, I've never looked directly at the back of someone like and being able to see their whole like bib and read all the little details of the on their vest like <laughs> he he was just phenomenal but yeah it was I got fifth there so it was it was okay but 
I did think I threw away a, a chance of meddling because I ran very, very stupid again. Like, like I shouldn't have run sub-20 in the semi. I should have maybe saved that for the final and that would have got mm-hmm. me a medal. But you learn. I was only 19. It was my first time running the twos, hundreds. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I, it was a great experience. And yeah, it was, I was very privileged enough to have run, like I said, with Usain Bolt and the rest of the guys. And yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Does he have a real presence to him? Are you very much aware when Usain Bolt is on the same track as you about to compete? You're aware in the sense of that the crowd is the crowd is different and there's a lot of buzz around the race. But as an athlete, mm. as I got older and sort of you just he's another athlete to beat. Like he trains the same yes. way as you. He's just a human being. Obviously he's very special and he's 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 an absolute beast. Like he's a you like he's on the, on his best day, he's basically unbeatable. But as you can't see that, you can't go into a race thinking that. Otherwise, you've already lost. You have to go into the race as, as crazy as it sounds, with the belief that you're going to come off the bend and, and, and win, or you're going to you're going to be able to get out and hold him off. Like it's if you don't believe that, then you've got no chance in in track and field. You've like if you've already given yourself second place, then that's probably the best you're going to achieve. So it's um there is a presence because the whole stadium and the whole world wants to watch him, but. As an athlete, he's just another athlete that you've got to try and beat. That's how you've got to look at look at him. And obviously you appreciate what he's done and who he is, but yeah. Just another man. Yeah. A very tall one with ridiculously long levers. Yeah, exactly. Far but he is, too many fast so, He is cool though. Off the track as well, he's he's so normal and genuine and, and funny and, and just talks to you about normal stuff and football and First thing he said to me was like, I can't believe you've, you walked away from football to, to come into this. <laughs> That's the first thing he said to me. And I was, just like, I was just like, yeah, like I'm trying it. And he was like, oh, we'll keep, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing amazing stuff. And and yeah, he's 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 really good over the years. Got getting to know him better and better as I've got older. And uh, yeah, he's yeah, it's a very, very special person. I reckon you'd have him at football, you know. You've oh, 100%. That's not even a question. <laughs> I, already, I already told him that years ago. I was like... That's not even, yeah, that's not even the debate. Like, uh, he's pretty good. I watched him on uh, at Soccer Aid a few years ago and he was pretty yes. good. And then, mm. but yeah, his touch isn't always the best. Like, mine wasn't amazing, but like, I, I think I'd, I'd back myself. So that's, that's okay. Good. Love to hear it. He was asked actually after that final about you. I'm sure you heard his answer. Um, I think it was in the mix zone afterwards. Someone from the BBC asked him, how they felt that you had performed and he said you're going to be great you madam as long as you the British public and the media don't put too much pressure on him yeah now you've already talked about coming back as a 17 year old from Germany and all these interviews and cameras and people wanting a piece of you I think that the public seized upon you as a medal hope because (laughs) you were a very accomplished junior you burst onto the scene you seemed so confident so relaxed you were instantly into all these senior finals and we're awful at doing that in this country look at what we've done to cat look at what we do to all the youngsters that come through as soon as we've got somebody we think can make podiums for us we put all of our eggs in the proverbial basket and pin our hopes on them yeah do you think that we should have listened to Bolt's warning and that too much pressure has been put on you over the course of your career? Uh, I don't think there's been that, like, there's been pressure, but I, I can deal with that. Like, I, for, for maybe for other athletes, I think, yeah, the media, they they see a bit of success as a junior and then they already, they're already giving them the medals as a senior. They're already saying, yeah, right, this person's going to win the Olympics and this person's going to win the World Championships. And, and it doesn't always work like that. Like, you just let young athletes develop at their own rate and athletes will hit their peaks at different times and and for me coming into the sport and running so quickly as an 18 year old 
people expected it to happen straight away. They're like, you're right, next year you'll win and this and and it doesn't like it doesn't always work. I've had injuries and and I've been able to sort of dabble, but have never really been able to take it to the next step. And and I think now now I'm getting to that age where I I can. I'm strong enough. I'm physical, physically capable, and mentally strong enough to to take it to those next steps and start finally winning those medals where maybe I wasn't as a sort of 18, 19 year old. But yeah, the, the that's just the way things work in this sport. You in and in this country, you just want results quickly. You just want. It's not a bad thing, but I think people just want other people to be successful. Like, it's not terrible, but they build them up so high and then if they don't achieve what they are expected to achieve, that's a long way to fall down. And Katerina is a perfect example of that. You look at Katerina, every single year people have always said, medal, 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 medal. And she's she's learned, she's made mistakes and she hasn't always gone her way. And, and now finally it clicked for her. She was, what, 27 last year? 26, 27, whatever, whatever. At, in Doha when she won mm. like it, it finally clicked and she she showed everyone how good she can be but people were expecting her to do that in 19 20 21 and it almost broke her it almost absolutely broke her like she went through such a hard time in the sport and she had the the people around her who believed in her and, and luckily for her she that was that was good enough for her but for some athletes they might not be mentally strong enough to deal with that and they from to to go from sort of being really successful as a junior to having those sort of those years of development and not always being so successful to then finally winning like that's a tough journey so yeah there is a lot of pressure that gets put on young athletes and you see you always see it every year you see someone else come out and run really fast and then all of a sudden the whole hopes are on of are on the whole hopes of the country are on that athlete's shoulders and then they don't quite perform or they don't they get hurt and then it's who's the next one and then you forget about this this other athlete who is super talented and just going through a bit of a tough time so uh yeah it's, it is quite a brutal sport track and field as well and being in this sport has really opened my eyes to to sort of how you need to do it and you need to surround yourself with a good team and as long as you've got that good team and everyone believes in you everything else is external it doesn't really matter what what people say people's opinions as long as your coach your training group your family your friends believe in you why should it matter what anyone else says? So for me, that's the sort of attitude I have nowadays as a as sort of a, an older senior athlete. I think that's incredibly wise. And there must have been a lot of encouragement to be taken from Kat's performance in Doha when we finally yeah. saw her realise she has got more potential than you could shake a stick at. She's got <laughs> talent in spades, but it's for just sure. not been the right timing. And like you said, the pressure that she puts upon herself has been really detrimental to her ability to grace podiums. But she's there now, and I feel like we're finally seeing Kat enjoying herself and thriving and seeing Dina come to the fore as well. And now Dina's a superstar in the world of sprinting. Mm. It must be really nice watching those people from your generation come through the ranks like that. You watching your friends again. be successful is the most... Is the, it's, it makes you so happy. And seeing those guys, what they did in Doha was... I was so buzzing. I was absolutely over the moon and, and ecstatic and... And I remember Katerina, um, Posse and I, we went to Japan because we did some stuff with the Red Cross straight after Doha. So we flew to Japan and, and I remember just chatting to Kat and we were going through the re- going through sort of her series. And I was like, you know, you could have run so much faster in the 200 and you know, you could have jumped. The, like we were just working mm. it out. Like she, there's so much potential there. And, and for Dina as well, like she's just scratching the surface on what she's capable of. Like, I just think, yeah, you're just getting started. So for those guys now... These are the medal hopes, and everyone's putting their hopes on them, and and which is which is fair enough. They're 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 both world champions, but 
at the time they've you've got to just let them be patient if if they're not successful they they get hurt or they maybe don't win it's not the end of the world they they they're phenomenal athletes and they will be they will be sort of brilliant so just leave them to progress at their own rate i think also the what we the british public have come to expect of our track and field athletes has escalated so much in the last few years, events like Super Saturday at the Olympics, yeah. we, we expect silverware now. Um, yeah, and always. actually with that in mind, that if you don't mind, we are just going to gloss over your 2014, mm-hmm. even though you won two Commonwealth silvers, two European golds. Um, and it was the beginning of sort of your reign of terror uh, in the relay where you and the Team GB boys have now just become global superpowers in that <laughs> event. So we're going to look at 2015 because you've mentioned injuries a couple of times now and I wanted to talk about what happened at Birmingham 100th man in history to break the 10 second barrier first Brit ever to go sub 10 sub 20 absolutely amazing achievement but it did come at the cost of your was it your left hamstring I'm trying to recall yeah it was my left hamstring just absolutely yeah that was one of the biggest regrets I'll ever have in this sport is dipping at a frigging Birmingham Diamond League like it was an Olympic Olympic final because of that losing my balance falling over and absolutely tearing my hamstring in two pieces like it was just yeah it was absolutely brutal and I was in such good shape as well I was I was running so well that that winter and I'd come out I'd run sub 10 in Bedford like a couple of weeks before slightly windy or slightly windy Mm. very very windy but um yeah to finally run in Birmingham and and it was world-class field like the Jamaicans and the Americans were there everyone was there firing and to come out and a dip and nine nine seven. That was the first, and it's it's the only time I've run sub ten since. Like it's, it's it was absolutely brutal, and and I and I expect to run a lot faster than sort of going forward now. But yeah, I just got played with injuries. That injury caused so many different issues that I never really talk about. I'd always said oh, I was injured, and I've had different issues that I've struggled with. But that was the sort of root of most of my injuries was that hamstring tear because it was so bad, and and like I said. It's flavour of the month. The year before, I'd won two silvers, two golds, and and then that year I'd run sub-10. And and then people sort of start to forget about you, and there's a new sprinter that comes on the scene, and, and you sort of get pushed to the side, and then it is what it is. It's it's no big deal. Like I said, as long as you believe the fa- your family and your friends and your team around you believe in you, that's all you need. But, yeah, that, that injury was so brutal, and it took me so long to recover from that fully. And um, my coach and my my therapist James Davies and and Steve Fudge at the time they did such a great job of getting me back healthy for the Olympics the year after, but still there was still parts missing and I still wasn't firing as as I should have and and yeah I I just struggled because of that so um it was frustrating but it's part and parcel of the sport and it's how you deal with those injuries and come back which makes you the athlete that you are so yeah. And what are you like as an injured athlete? Do you handle the boredom and the pain of rehab well? Yeah, I I'm I spent such a long time injured. It makes me appreciate every time I'm healthy mm. to give my all for training. Like I do not want. I hate the feeling of not being able to push your body to the max, having to run at fifty percent or doing the really really boring rehab stuff like <laughs> which you have to do. It's necessary. But I, I focus, I have a job to do, it's still part of my job and, and I'm pretty good at just knuckling down and getting on with it. So uh, for me, it's not terrible. So no, it's all good. It's all good, I guess. Um, you just have to, you have to just have commitment to your sport and uh, get your head right. And I think it's important to let, let it sort of crumble for a little bit. Have a cry, be upset, um, 
And then once you've had, got that out of the way, what am I going to do now to progress? How is this going to get any better? Get, come up with a plan and stick to that plan. And, and I did that. And luckily for me, I got myself back healthy. It took, it took a long, long time and different mm-hmm. injuries, different injuries sort of perspired after that and, and came through. But um, yeah, like I said, I'm back healthy and, and running sort of back to my best now. So I'm, I'm pretty happy. Managed to reattach your hamstring, and the next time just we about saw yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> duct tape and prayers. And the next time we saw you was 2016 in Rio. Quite yeah. a quiet build up to that, and in the most bizarre of circumstances, you came away with a fourth place finish. Oh it was yeah, you. I'm so sorry, but no, you're good. You're good. You're good. You no, you're it. good. It's 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 career. It's part of what's got to talk about the highs and the lows. It's all good. Well, see, that's what I'm interested about. Because you crossed with Christopher Matra and Sharandi Martina, giants of the sport, yeah. separated the three of you by six thousandths of mm-hmm. a second, which is where some people in athletics like to say that there should be such thing as a tie. But they were able to separate you and you came away in fourth place, which is possibly the most painful of the, the all. worst position to come away in. Yeah. Well placed to talk about that, bless you. But I want to know how you look back on that. Are you proud of that performance in Rio? Because fourth at the Olympics, it was an improvement on your last Olympics. Fourth in the world is pretty impressive. How do you look back on it? Yeah, I guess I, you have to look at look back at it and be positive, I guess. Um, I, I do see it as an opportunity waste to win an Olympic medal. Um, probably an Olympic silver. If I'd run sub 20, I would have got an Olympic silver. But it was the conditions. It was the whole environment. It was... That's what an Olympic Games, that's why it's so special and those medals mean so much because it's can you perform on the day? Like I was lane two, if I'd had maybe a different lane, maybe I, I could have I could have run a bit faster. But it's all these sort of variables. But when all said and done, I have to look back at it and be proud. Like that was my second Olympic Games and I managed to make the final and just miss out on the medal. And I, I someone said to me at the start of the year, oh, fourth place, like I would have been like, OK, that, that's not too bad. But then as the year was progressing, I was like, I was so set on a medal and that's all that I had my sort of focus on. And and to to not achieve that, I saw that as such a failure. I saw that as such a, a big failure. And that whole year, I was just so frustrated, frustrated. And that's the first time in a long, long time that I have just gone back to the warm up track. And I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed for for so long. I was crying oh, I and I couldn't, I could not stop crying and people were trying to comfort me and I just didn't know what to do with myself and it was like two three o'clock in the morning um in the UK or at the time and then I just was like trying to call my girlfriend at the time and my psychologist and and just get some conversation with them and and I just I, I just was just in such a bad way and I just went for a walk in the village and just like sat down on a bench in the village like three four o'clock in the morning and just like was I just needed to have my own space and yeah it was brutal it was absolutely brutal because yeah to come so close to an Olympic medal and and, and to realise in 20 seconds it's gone and mm. I looked up at the scoreboard and you see fourth and you're thinking the, the next time I'm going to get a chance to do this it'll be four years time four years to get to, get, to be at this exact opportunity again to, to make this right mm. it's, it's that's why this sport is so brutal and so fantastic at the same time but yeah at that time I was um yeah, heartbroken, but I, it did teach me a lot about myself and and uh, mature me a lot. Like I was, I've always thought I was mature, and then after that, after that competition and uh, that championships, I really, really learned a lot about myself and and sort of the man I want to become. And 
that's sort of helped me a lot. So I'm t- trying to take as much positives from it as possible. But yeah, as a performance, you have to look back at it and think, yeah, fourth in the world is not is not sort of laughable. It's 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 sort of deemed okay. So it's not too bad. <laughs> and fourth in the world by I don't know what three thousand three thousand yeah is, um, <laughs> nothing in terms of distance. But what is that? A millimeter? Two millimeters? Yeah, literally nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. At least nothing. it means that those medals are so tangibly close. Mm-hmm. Uh, that must be incredibly motivating. And yeah. then what's amazing is that you picked yourself up in time for the relay and got the baton round. And Just then got about, it round yeah. again. In- <laughs> yes, but it's round. You know, it's not a DQ, it's not a DNF. We're not used to seeing that, or rather we weren't used to seeing that. That was a start, as- yeah. That was exactly. the start. I think the year before I didn't run, I was injured, but the guys had that, all that, there was all that relay palaver, all that relay mess, like they mm-hmm. were arguing on the track and stuff. And uh, 2016 was the first year that we, 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 we managed to get it round and, and, and actually we, we sort of thought, you know what, we can actually push these guys for medals because we weren't, we messed up our changeovers and we were in lane one mm-hmm. and we were, we weren't that far away and we were like, you know what, we can get this right. And then obviously you see what happened the next year on like in London 2017 it's, it's it shows that you just got to believe and you just got to just have that sort of trust in each other and and you can go and become world champions which we did so let's talk about then that penultimate night of the London World Championships because I was working um, for one of the broadcasters there and mm-hmm. I struck a deal very early on with the person that was sharing the job with me we had to do split shifts and I said right look here's the deal I want the women's 1500 meter final I want the four by one finals and I want what was the other event I wanted I think I might have wanted the men's pole vault and the women's steeplechase um and I said you can have whatever else you want so I got to come and watch you guys in that relay and I don't think my voice came back for about 48 (laughs) hours afterwards would you say Adam that that evening was the best of your career to date 100% that was the best I've ever felt on a track um I've won like I said I've won the world juniors and I've won European championships and but as a to win my first world sort of title, I say relay like uh, it's a relay title. It's not individual, but so myself and Posy and like we always wind each other up because I say, oh, he's always, oh, you're only it's only a world relay title, and I always say, oh, you've only won a world indoors. It's not a world. <laughs> so we always wind it like, but that's he's just he's a friend, so we can we can joke with each other. But yeah, it was the be- that is the best I've ever felt on an athletics track. I was hugging the guys, and there was times where I was hugging them, and I literally didn't want to let go. I was like, this is this is the best feeling and and to do it in London the whole stadium like usually people clear out after the sort of towards the back end try and get home miss the traffic but the whole stadium was there and screaming for us and my family were there my friends were there to enjoy it like everyone was hugging you like brand members of the public were like crying (laughs) it was just oh it was just the best feeling and and to do it like I said with 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 three of your, your 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 best friends in the sport and and yeah, we put so much hard work into that. The year for myself individually wasn't fantastic, but to come, to come back and sort of get my mind right and run in the relay and do a good job, it was like, yeah, it was the best feeling. And, and yeah, to, to win it in that style with the Americans were there, Jamaicans were there. Obviously, Jamaicans pulled up with Bolt being hurt, but we were still clear before he got the bat and we were still pretty far ahead. So it was like we were we were over the moon with that. And it just gave us that belief that, if we can do this in a relay, we can do this individually. So now we were, that was, yeah, the best I've ever felt. It was just a series of extraordinary scenes that evening because you had Farah dethroned 
in his race. Oh, yeah, then you had the hell, women. Yeah. yeah, it all kicked off that night in London, honestly. You had Farah, then you had the women going on to win silver in their race, them screaming, and I could see them from where I was watching the race screaming you boys on. Nathaniel in floods of tears. Yeah. And like you said individually the performances from you guys Danny Talbot's bend you know frame that put that up in a gallery somewhere yeah, it's beautiful keep it yeah unbelievable bend but then also CJ got out of the blocks like a bat out of hell you ran the most divine back straight and then oh my god that ankle leg was uh, the last 10 metres I don't know where he got it from yeah it was just crazy like to think that he was running so CJ like wow he set us up like mm. if it wasn't for C- CJ basically gave us a lead at the start like like CJ was absolutely flying like for me I just had a job just to try and run down the Chinese and run down the Japanese and trying to minimize the damage that Gatlin was going to do on the second leg which I think I did pretty well and then and then and then Danny on the bend like I said you run with Danny Talbot on the bend it is I hated people hate running with Danny on the bend in relay practice because he's just like a whippet he just like just oh He's just a joke. And I think I'm a pretty good Ben runner. I think I'm a really good Ben runner. But when you run with Danny Talbot and he's in form, <laughs> oh my God, it's like, what is the actual point? What is the point? So, and then Nefanil just, uh, he was, I was really glad we had him on, on anchor because he, Coleman and him had had battles through the NCAA system sort of that, that whole year, that, that whole season. They'd, they'd battled back and forth sort of individually and in the relay. So, uh if anyone was confident enough to to hold him off, it was it was Nefanil, and he did such a good good job, man. And he dipped, and yeah, that's why he went crazy. And we were all just mental. I just dropped to my my knees and then dropped to my back. I just didn't really believe it was happening. And then yeah, by the time I got round, they were all like crying and they were all like jumping around, and I was just like, what? Like yeah, like I said, it was a night where you were holding the guys and you never wanted to let go. And and to be a part of sort of sporting history in the UK, like. I think mm. for people in the track, that's what I, we didn't quite realise that. Obviously, we could enjoy it because we were the ones running, but there was, a, there was 60, 70,000 people in the stadium. And, and for each one of those people that got to witness that and, and to share that moment with us, it's something they hopefully will never forget either. So it's, um, yeah, it's such a, it was such a special night and something I'm so proud and happy to be a part of. And also, I think off the back of years of disappointment, we'd come to not expect all that much from British the relay. Yeah. relay quartets. Not on a global stage anyway. Like there were Commonwealth golds and European golds, but the but big we're expected are to the win Jamaicans those, yeah. in the US. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I wrote them down and it, it doesn't make happy reading, but we had Olympic gold in 2004, world silver in 05, bronze in 07, but then didn't manage to get the baton round without disqualification. 08, 12 Olympics, and then 11, 13, 15 world championships. And then you forego and produce a performance like that. And don't just, you know, get the battle around safely. Don't just get on the podium, but beat one of the greatest relay fields ever assembled. <laughs> Beyond an individual medal on a global stage, do you think anything any of you forego on to do will ever top that? I, I, I think unless we, unless we individually win gold medals ourselves, I think to do it, just the whole environment of doing it in London... At, the, at that championships with those sort of athletes in the field, I think, no, unless people go on to win those individual gold medals in, in, in sort of the one or the two, then no, nothing will ever go on to top that because it was one of the, one of the most special moments of, of all our careers and something we'll never forget and will unite us for sort of the rest of our lives, really. We'll, we'll be a part of each other's lives forever. So it's, um, it's yeah, something fantastic, like I said, and, 
And like Danny Talbot and I were actually in that relay in 2012 that messed it up. It was our fault. Yes. It was our yeah. fault. And we got absolutely hammered for that. 18 and 19 year old Adam and Danny got absolutely hammered. And I think that really made us quite resilient. And to come back into mm. the London Stadium all those years later and, and make it right in that sort of sense was was redemption. So we were we were over the moon for that. Okay, some quick fire relay questions for you. Go on then. Is there more pressure on your shoulders in a relay or in an individual race? Oh, relay, definitely. You're working with a team. You're working, you, you've got to do your job and and you don't just let, if you don't run well individually, you let yourself down first and foremost. But if you don't run well as a relay team, then you let you let the three other members and everyone that's put so much hard work into you so yeah, definitely as a relay. You're in good shape and you get invited out to some sort of gala or meet, uh, let's say in Europe, and you can either go for an individual 100 or you can run in the four by one. Which is more fun? Which do you plump for? Oh, the 100, of course. It's an individual sport at the end of the day. What we do, we train to be individually successful. You don't train to be a relay. That's just an added bonus at the end of the champs. This, everyone wants to be individually successful. So definitely the 100 metres. Which is your favourite leg to run? I like third leg. Ah, oh, second, ah, oh, second or ah, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I'm, I think I'm better at third. I think second, a second is a good leg. Yeah, second or third. So either one of those. But I can run any leg. I've run every leg. I'm the only Brit. <laughs> Probably that's that's run every single leg for for that's Great Britain. So true. Yeah, yeah, people have usually either got straights. People are good on the straights or good on the bends. And for me. They've chucked me in first, second, third, and anchor. So I, I, I can. I'm probably the most flexible member of that team that can run anywhere. Massively versatile. Yes. Um, who's your favourite person to hand the bat on to? Who do you know won't stuff it up? Now, none. Of, I don't, don't. Any of them. Honestly, <laughs> any of them. Like, <laughs> but like back in the day, I, uh, Harry was always a safe. Harry, Harry always was safe in the relay. Like you can trust mm. he's gonna, his hands going to be there in the same position. But actually. Um, they're, I trust all of them. I trust every single athlete that I'm handing off to. Nefanil, like I said, his hand is always going to be there as well. Like he's very experienced. So, so usually, yeah, one of those two. But yeah, all of the all of the relay team have have safe hands now, and uh, yeah, really, you re- you can rely on them. Harry really is one of the great unsung heroes of British athletics. He has been such a mainstay of that squad. I feel for absolutely, years. absolutely, yeah, very and, underrated. Mm. Um, seems like a great team member as well. I feel like he'd bring a lot of energy to proceedings. Yeah, he what does. Harry in he does. Squad. He does. He's he's always dancing, always lifting the mood. And, <laughs> yeah, he's a very valued member of the team. But he's always got his top off. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. From what I've seen about the place, I bet he's always first one to. As soon as the sun's even peeping out from behind a cloud, he's like, right, this thing's whip it off, off, make the pecs yeah. bounce. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's a. <laughs> yeah, no comment, no comment on that. <laughs> Final quick fire one. In a sentence, what is the secret to getting a bat on round safely and quickly? Four guys who trust each other unequivocally and, and, and all run very, very fast. And you think that is what has changed, maybe that trust element? On and off the track. In, on and off the that. track, yeah. Is that how Britain have suddenly become one of the big names in relay running globally? Because We're not just colleagues anymore. We're friends. We're friends yeah. on and off the track. And that is what, that is why we've started to see success. We're not just, we don't just rock up and we just got a job to do. We trust each other and we, we are able to talk to each other and, and give each other criticism when we need to give each other criticism and not get mm. really butt hurt and let our egos get in the way. So that is something that is a massive factor of why... 
we're finally being successful in relays because we all trust each other and we all believe we can win. And has that been done through regular relay camps and having Christian involved and just changing the culture around the event? Yeah, for sure. Like the, we had a lot of team bonding stuff and which was great for really getting everyone sort of to understand how each other works. We worked with psychology, we, we worked very hard sort of in practices and we uh yeah we sort of are seeing the fruits of our labor from that and it's um yeah the christian christian and, and benki blumpfist was they were massive parts of of sort of that culture and instilling that in us boys so we are yeah very grateful for that and they ended up winning what coach of the year in that that 2017 season so it's uh yes yeah it was brilliant wanted to ask you whether another factor adding to Britain's recent relay success is also the level of domestic competition there is right now within the sprints. We recently yeah. did a middle distance special um, on the Backstraight pod and we spoke to Josh Kerr, Jake Whiteman, Oliver Dustin and Jamie Webb and all of them said the reason that suddenly we're making moves on a global stage in middle distance running is because it's harder to get into the GB team than it is to make a global final these days. And I feel like the same could be said of the sprints. Yeah, for sure. Like you look at the sprinters we got, you never, I don't think you could ever predict the three that are going to make the team for either the hundred or the two, for the 200. When everyone's fit and everyone's healthy, everyone's running their best. You can't, you can't tell me which three and which, three are going to make it in, in the one or the two because the level is so high at the moment. Like, if you're not running sub 10 and, and close to sub 20, then you've got no chance. And I think that that is why the level's gone up because if you see your your teammates doing it, you think, well, I want a piece of that. What If they're doing it, I can do it. And you raise your level and you just get faster and faster. And, and that's why you know if you're making a team, you're making a GB team, you are one of, you should be one of the best athletes in the world and you should be making a final as a basic that's why making a final isn't um no i don't think the sprinters especially the men are that keen with just making a final if they're not meddling they see it as a failure because we should we feel like we should be making the final as a bare minimum so yeah you think of the the level of athletes we've got at the moment i could there's more than i can sort of count you've got myself cj nefanil zarnell miguel reese oj danny harry kilty like it's just it's, the level is just ridiculous. Dasalu, if Dasalu ever come like if he comes back healthy, like you've got Joel Fearon, if Joel Fearon comes comes back as well, like it's just it's just unbelievable. Like like we've never had this depth in the UK. Making a British team has never been so hard, and and I love that. I love that competition. And and Charles last year was a was a prime example of that. It was everyone was running really well, and and you just it was the best man on the day is going to take the win. And in the hundred meters, that was OJ. In the two hundred meters, that was that was I was fortunate enough to to be that person. So it's you just never know. You've got to bring your A game to trials, which before you maybe didn't need to be there a hundred percent. But now, if you're not there a hundred percent, you don't make the team. Well, you really turned up at two thousand and nineteen's trials because not only were you second in the hundred, like you said, and won the two hundred, but it, you won it in a championship record. And you were looking hot to trot. So you headed out to Doha in three events. You'd qualified for all three, which is so exciting because we don't have enough British sprinters able to do the treble. To double up, yeah. Well, to, yeah, to even do the treble. Yes, yeah, so the hot one and the two and then also the relay. Like, there's, yeah, there was, I think it was myself and Zarnell the first time in, in a long, long time that athletes are going for that. And I think we train so hard all year. Every other nation does that. Like, I train with some of the best sprinters in the world, Andre de Grasse and Xi Zhenyi or Sean, we call him Sean, Chinese guy. And, <laughs> and, and like, these guys are doubling up at championships. Why 
and they train just as hard as I do, why can't why can't I do the same? And we've sort of been instilled in the UK, the culture, pick one event, just pick one event, focus all your energy on one event. And I'm like, nah, why? No. Why limit yourself? Why limit myself? And I can do both events. I'm fit enough to do both events. And and I tried that last year and, and I'll keep trying that every year now. I'll, I'll go I'll go for it as much as possible. So uh, um, yeah, it was cool. It was, it was pretty cool. Doha obviously didn't work out the way it should have worked out. I Ah, oh, yeah. Ran really stupid in that race. And, and I think if I'd reserved a little bit off the bend, then I definitely could have, I could have meddled. I potentially could have even pushed for the win. Like it was, it was close. It was, it was winnable. It was winnable. Everyone was expecting Noah Lyles in the 200 to absolutely fly. And people were talking some crazy sort of times, but as sprinters, you sort of know roughly what, what people are going to be in. And, and championship running is so different. I've always been someone that can doesn't matter how fast I am running into the championships. If if I'm there on the day, you have to beat me as a person. Like it doesn't matter how fast you've run. And oh yeah, it was it was close, but it just gave me a good confidence boost. That do you know what? It is winnable in Tokyo. It is especially the two hundred, the one hundred at the moment. Like obviously, you say you see Coleman is so far ahead of of everyone, but he's beatable as well. You just got to be close to him and 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 close to him at 60 meters which is is a hard thing to do but <laughs> yeah the, the sprints are, are very open i think the americans are both favorites at the moment going into the uh going into the olympics but like i said champs running anything can happen and especially at olympic games you look at you looking like super saturday greg won jess won mo won like that's um, no one would have ever predicted that on the same night so yeah anything can happen and it sort of whets my appetite for for the future well i won't make you relive the 200 meters which it's like all you good. said you had one with 60 meters to go because you got out of the blocks sensationally well and i was screaming at my tv but fast forward two minutes and i'd gone from screaming to crying because <laughs> i don't think anyone adam with an iota of empathy watching you speak to Jeanette afterwards oh. will have managed to maintain a dry eye. You were so selfless in your disappointment when you apologised to people who'd supported you rather than dwelling on the fact that you'd just finished fourth at the Worlds. It was, I think it was very typically you and it was very emotive. Have you watched that interview back since? I have seen it. I, I, someone linked it to me and I think it's on YouTube. So I have, I've only watched it once, um, which was cool. But yeah, it was... I try not to dwell on it, but I did need to. I, I wanted to just see it, and everyone. I, I had a lot of sort of messages talking about it, and I didn't really even remember what I was talking about. Really, I was in so such an emotive state. I was just speaking pure emotions. Like, I, if you ask me to sort of go back and say what did you say, I'd be like, I have no idea. Like, it was just coming straight from the heart, and uh, yeah, it was tough. It was a tough final and a tough. But you have to, as a as an athlete, you have to be professional and give an interview afterwards and. And I tried to do that as best as I could, even if it wasn't the best quality interview, because I was sort of so upset and so distraught. It was, again, looking up at the screen and thinking, oh, you've just missed out again, fourth place, and you were actually winning the race and you actually, like, you really messed it up. You really, like, oh. I think, actually, Adam, on the contrary, you gave a bloody good post-race interview. Oh, I well, think thank you, you, thank you. For you to come out and speak to the media, to, you know, face the music and be so honest and candid about it all. I, I think it was a really standout moment from the champs. Well, thank you. And, you know, for 
140 meters, you were brilliant. And like you said, <laughs> going, and I know that that Great. doesn't win you a medal. I know. I yeah, know, well, my sister, my sister, my friends started calling me Adam, but changing the A to a four now. Uh, oh, because, no, they yeah, didn't. because because I've come forth so many bloody times. So yeah, my my friends and my family, you love to keep me humble, and uh, which you need, you need people like that around you to to laugh at you and actually don't so you don't take yourself too seriously. Because at the end of the day, what we're doing is running around in a, in a in a circle for a job. It's you think about it, it's ridiculous. Like that's that's our job is running on a track for for a living. So. I mean, you don't even run circles, do exactly. you? Exactly, I'm, I'm running half ones. I'm running a quarter and a half a circle, so it's like, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, my friends and family, obviously they were gutted for me, but then they were soon to sort of humble me and, and keep me sort of, keep me sort of uh, down to earth and, and bantering me up. So uh, yeah, it was all good. It was all good and funny. What's brilliant as well is being out there with the relay squad, because I imagine oh, yeah. they were immediately there for you. Yeah, um, everyone was amazing. And also able to refocus you. And as frustrating as the 200 was and as heartbreaking as that was, you must all be chuffed to bits. Even though you lost your title, considering how that race actually was executed, you ran a European record and it took the fastest, second fastest 4 by one of all time by the Americans to beat To beat you. us, yeah. We were actually happy. Like We wanted to win, so we were slightly disappointed, but the Americans were just too good on that day. They were just, they were absolutely flying. It took something very, very special to beat us. Um, and we ran faster than we did in London. Like, it was just, yeah, it was just crazy. It was absolutely crazy. So that was a nice way to sort of end it. It was my birthday the next day, so to have that sort of silver medal in the relay as sort of, sort of, as sort of to fall back on was was brilliant. And, uh, yeah, at least we walked away from that champs with some sort of medal. And that's what you that's what your career is judged on at the end of the day. It's medals. It's mm-hmm. No one's going to say, oh, yeah, you came fourth a couple of times. It's medals. So, for me, I was very lucky to be a part of that relay team and very fortunate that we were able to execute and, and run a British record, a European record, and, and come away with a silver medal and, and enjoy that moment together. And it was a, a, lo- a good way to finish... A long year. Last year was a very, very long year for for a oh lot of people. God, so yes. we were all looking forward to a good a good break <laughs> after that. So I, myself and like I said, we went to Japan straight after, so we didn't get home for another sort of week. But it was when we did get home, it was just the best. It was absolutely brilliant. So uh, yeah, I could just enjoy myself, eat what I wanted to eat, and then uh, feet up, play a bit of football, play some squash, play some play, do the stuff you don't normally get to do when you're uh, you're trading so intensely for the for the for the championships but yeah it was uh, it's cool to have that silver medal there and it is off to training that I'm going to have to let you go Adam I've got Perfect. so much more that I want to speak to you about but can I mash everything into one final question yeah fast forward 18 months let's hope that Tokyo has happened by that point where can I hope to see Adam Jamili in terms of what the next 18 months have looked like Hopefully, as a as still as a person who's respected in the sport and and people sort of see as a role model, definitely like that. And hopefully, with some sort of Olympic medal, that would be that would be fantastic. But yeah, first and foremost, healthy, happy, um, and someone that it can inspire a new generation of young athletes. That's the most important thing I think in this sport is the sport is dying, and you do, you do need the new next generation of athletes to come through. So hopefully, I can be that person and. And if I can do that with an Olympic medal, that would be the the, the icing on the cake. So for me, yeah, um, if we speak again uh, <laughs> in the next 18 months, then we can uh, look back at this and laugh and have an Olympic medal to uh, 
sort of show for all the hard work so that'd be brilliant i will keep everything crossed for that and thank I will you continue so much to be grateful that you chose athletics not football because it really is our pleasure to have you thank you very much adam for your time today thank you you've been brilliant thank you so session. much i've thoroughly enjoyed it